Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, impartial observers. Welcome to the Premier League post-match podcast with 100 club member Darren Bent, TalkSport transfer guru Alex Crook and me, Sam Matterface. There's a fox in the hen house screaming, stop the count. Leicester are in front right now, but there's still a long way to go in this race. Too close to call at the Etihad after the Blues and Reds share the spoils. No new leader at United yet, as Solskjaer bemoans scheduling. But Bruno's timing, yeah, it's impeccable. A landslide at the bridge as Chelsea become the first team to put four past Sheffield United in three years as Ziyech wins everyone's vote for man of the match. Gunners fire a blank as Aston Villa have a parte at the Emirates. Also, Palace make it look Eze against Leeds. Look, man, Adimola won't want to see his penalty again. Saints flirt with the top and Brighton and Burnley draw 0-0. A result everyone saw coming. All on the podcast, he's absolutely furious about the start time of this broadcast because, you know, we've only just got off the air and the turnaround time is just, it's just not enough and Crook and Bent have just done a programme and it's all way too much. Why couldn't we record it on a Monday? It's the Game Day Premier League post-match pod from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Hello to Darren Bent, former Tottenham and England striker. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Comfortable? Everyone ready to go? I know you've had a hard, hard day. I know the schedule's tough, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've just got to take our time and just, you know what I mean, do what we've got to do. Okay. And Alex Crook is here. Hello, you're right. <laughs> I am. This is my third shift of the day. I commentated the game this morning. I've been in the boot room with, with Darren Bent reacting to all the, the big news, and now I'm here with you. We need to get in touch with the authorities and because it's just it's not good enough. Slave labour. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've worked together for an, a while now. That's true. Uh, Darren, do you want to know a little secret about Alex? I'd like to, yes. Good, okay. Uh, you see that uh, once again, Alex is wearing his milk tray outfit, his <laughs> yeah. black roll neck jumper. Uh, he was uh, wearing the same outfit on Fair Share Day on Wednesday when we were helping out Marcus Rashford's charity. Yeah, yeah. okay. He was wearing it on Thursday. Lucy has pointed out to me since that he was wearing the same outfit on Friday. Friday, Lucy, yes? Yes. What was it, what was I doing on Friday? Yeah, she said you were on some TV thing that she saw. Um, don't, don't I had a cardigan on on Friday. Over, if you look closely, over, no, over the roll neck. No, I didn't have this on. He says he's got two. Yeah, okay. I'm not entirely convinced, but he says he's got two, and he keeps rotating them around like strikers. Um, but do you know why he's wearing it? That's the that's the key question. I think you told me this earlier. Did he? Did did he? Someone flirted with him. That's what happened. So Someone like, flirted. He likes the way he looks in the black jumper. Someone gave him a compliment and told him he looked good in the black jumper. And now, not only <laughs> is he rotating the two, he has ordered 
a whole new batch in different colours. Yeah. I yeah. haven't. I've asked my wife to. All right. Okay, does she know that you're wearing it because <laughs> yeah. someone flirted with you? <laughs> uh, that is a worry. Okay, right. Ten games to review. Let's go. Cross into the penalty area, flicked on by Kane, and Harry Kane has done it! In the 88th minute, he scores his 150th Premier League goal, and it will take Tottenham top of the Premier League. In the penalty, it was a different situation, I think it's just a cross, and then he hits his arm or whatever he hit, so that's different, but all the rest was really good. How's that? It was the lowest number of chances for City against uh, when we played them. Usually you always have to suffer against them, we had to suffer tonight, but both teams showed an incredible energy. It was uh, tight, uh, we knew it, top team, top class team, So, but we did incredible well too. So, with the situation that we have, but in general we are uh, we are so satisfied for the, for the way we played, and uh, and uh, yeah, the point that we have. It will be Jamie Vardy to take this spot kick for the Foxes in the 15th minute here. Up comes Vardy. Vardy scores the first time that he's ever scored against Wolves. He's been lethal from the spot this season and he's given Leicester the perfect start inside a quarter of an hour. It's Leicester 1, Wolves 0. 15 minutes to go and it's game over. Arsenal falling apart. Arsenal 0, Aston Villa 3 through the legs of Bernd Leno into the back of the net. It's been a wretched night for Arsenal in the teeming rain here in North London and they trail at home to Aston Villa by three goals to nil. Uh, Manchester City won, Liverpool won was the full-time scoreline. A pulsating first half, Liverpool coming, steaming out of the traps. It was a bit of a blur for 20 minutes, wasn't it, when they looked like they were going to maul Manchester City. Uh, getting in front from the penalty spot, it was a poor challenge from Carl Walker, I think. Um... I will moan about penalties over the course of this podcast, I'm sure, but not this one. Yeah, Marley got in front of him. Um, Carl Walker, a bit clumsy, obviously didn't react. Um, but when you play against players like Marnie and Salah, they're so sharp. Do you know what I mean? They get across the defender, and I think in that instance there, you've got to just let him go. Just get as far away as you can because you're not VAR. The, the slightest bit of contact, and he's going to go over, and they're going to give it. So it was a poor piece of defender for someone who's so experienced like Carl Walker, and has been playing well despite the fact that Roy Keane kept saying everyone keeps telling me he's playing well, but I think he's crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a foul in the build-up to that goal, wasn't there? But it was so far, I think, beforehand that VAR was never going to go. That far back, 45 seconds, I think we worked it out as. Don't ask me to try and explain VAR rules because even Scott Parker said to me after the game on Saturday night at West Ham, I don't understand the rules any anymore and I'm, I'm not sure how us uh, reporters and supporters are supposed to. But um, looking at the game as a whole, it was a game of two halves really. One was very good, the second was very drab. Big missed chance for Gabriel Jesus. We've been mm. asking on the boot room for some time now, is Gabriel Jesus good enough uh, to lead the line for Manchester City? My answer is no. And I did put it to Darren Bent earlier that if they're looking for a replacement for Sergio Aguero, why not go out and buy Harry Kane? Ooh, that is a big shout. Yeah, it's well, expensive it? too. So it's going to be very expensive. Also, you've got to uproot him. And at the moment, everything's built around him. It's not going to be built around him if he goes and plays at uh, the Etihad Stadium, is it? No, and I think City don't really pay that much money for one player because you're talking about 150 million, easy to get Harry Kane. Um, so you're going to have to look for other op- options. But if they can get Harry Kane, I mean, for the next five years, you're talking, wow. I, I did think, I looked at that Manchester City squad today and Me I just too. thought, hmm. I was the same. Not, it, not sure. It was vanilla. Do you know what I mean? It was bland. It didn't yeah. excite me. And not vanilla ice either. Because that is certainly not 
bland at all, is it? I mean, that outfit that he used to bust out was fantastic. Oh, you should have a look at that, Crook. Oh, good tune, though. Good tune, yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I'm talking of Under Pressure, which is the baseline for that record, just in case you didn't know, Crook. Um, I, I suppose the key thing here was is that City didn't surrender a defeat, because had they have done, the gap would have been eight points. Yeah, they've got a game in hand, obviously, having started the season later, but I still think it's a, a better result for Liverpool, particularly given their injury problems, than for Manchester City. I thought Liverpool were very good for the first 20 minutes. That four-pronged attack caught us by surprise. I think it caught Pep Guardiola by surprise as well. But once they got to grips with that, they were the better team and will probably be frustrated because of that Miss Jesus chance that they didn't win the game. OK, so the Miss Jesus chances in the second half. There's a couple of things there, though. It was a brilliant pick out from Cancelo who comes in on his right foot and I suppose one of the benefits of having a left uh, back who's a right footer, he can come in and produce that arcing yeah, ball in towards yeah. the near post, which is which is great. What should he have done in that circumstance? As an, as an expert striker yourself, what should Jesus have done? Well, listen, I've missed, the, I've missed the header, which was a lot easier than that. So, so, that, that was the one that Mrs. Redknapp could yeah, have scored. Yeah, exa- exactly. But I think... Oh, what you got to bring it up. First and foremost, you've just got to hit the target. I think anything after that... I mean, if he hits the target, we'll still be saying he should score it. But to completely miss it, it's not acceptable. For someone of that quality... Well, does he not arc his head in the right way? Does he not wait for it to hit him? Does he go too early? Does he jump too early? What's you know, the problem? There's, there's a number of things. I mean, even in his head, he's probably thinking as it's coming over, I've scored before the ball's even hit right. his head. And we've all done that, but you're right. If, you, if you're playing for a club like Manchester City, you've got to take them type of chances because Aguero, in his pomp, doesn't miss that. Okay, so you've had a go at Jesus for missing that chance, but Kevin De Bruyne missed the penalty. And Manchester City have had a bit of a problem with penalties, haven't they? Because last season they missed more penalties than anybody's ever missed in a Premier League season. Five of them. And now he's been given the responsibility and he's misfired too. I don't think any of us would have expected him to do that. No, probably the most relieved man in the country was uh, Lookman because it might just uh, (laughs) put his penalty miss into perspective. But he's struggling, I think, De Bruyne by his own high standard. And so is Raheem Sterling. They're not having the kind of impact on games that we've seen them have on a consistent basis under Pep Guardiola, and that's got to be cause for concern. Yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, limped off with a calf injury, which is bad for England, but also bad for Liverpool as well if he's away for more than a couple of weeks. Pep Guardiola actually afterwards was very vocal about it. Um, even that, I mean, he's not his player, but he came out straight away and said, you know, five subs, everyone around the world has five subs, but we think here we are special people. They will change it, won't they? Do you think, Do you think they'll go into a sort of huddle have a little recount and decide that actually five subs was the winner after all yeah I think they're going to have to I mean at first I just thought the five substitutes benefited the bigger clubs with bigger squads like Manchester it still City. will and I think of course it but still why will why are we so short sighted in this country why everybody else is doing it one way why do we always go oh no we'll do something different I mean there was obviously a reason why the why the officials and FIFA said do you know what we're going to change the laws of the game so that you can have five substitutes because clearly scientists people more qualified than us three had looked at it and thought do you know what it's going to be difficult you can't always trust the scientists, though, can you? You can't always trust anyone. anyone. <laughs> I, I think the, the the interesting thing now is is the groundswell of opinion is is changing. David Moyes, who obviously was dead against it at first, yeah. and West Ham therefore voted against yeah. five subs. He now realises there's been a mistake. If there is a recount, and recounts are all the rage at the moment, I think it will get over I, the I line, and, because, and they'll go to five subs. It's because it's muscle injuries. If it's like obviously impact injuries, then you're like, well, that's all part and parcel. But because it's like little tears or little like pulls, I think you, the five substitute. I think it has to come in because you need to be able to rotate your squad with the amount of games and with the whole COVID situation as well. I think it's probably the smart thing to do. Um, Joe Gomez was brilliant on the penalty 
he said something about the uh, judging the scenario for what it is because he was the one who allegedly handballed for the cross which went into the box. He said, look at it with some common sense. Of course, that's been taken away from referees. Of now. Course, you can't yeah. do that. But uh, ultimately, he's right, isn't he? You know, judge yeah. the situation for what it is. And I don't know about you, but the whole slow motion replay thing sort of makes things worse. Because when a ball is fired at you from four <laughs> yards out, you've got literally zero chance of getting out of the way. And I thought we'd already addressed this whole handball situation earlier in the in the season. We decided that we didn't like the fact that if you handled it in those circumstances, yeah. you were given away a penalty. So we changed it. We changed the advice. Why all of a sudden did Max Kilman and Joe Gomez get penalised for it? Well, you can be Judge Matterface here because Darren Bent was... Very vocal. He felt that was a penalty. Which one? The, the, the one in the Liverpool Man City game. I thought it was ridiculous. No um, and only under the, co- the current law, it's a penalty. But two years ago, not only would that not be a penalty, but before the advent of VAR, it wouldn't even be discussed no. if it was a penalty. And that's what's changed now. And that's what's wrong. That wasn't what the technology was introduced yeah. for. I also think referees are relishing the drama and the soap opera, the way that they make the television symbol and they race over to the screen <laughs> in a gladiatorial fashion. You had Neil Swarbrick being very demonstrative on camera. They're not the what's stars. He do- what's he doing, Neil Swarbrick? He's, he's he's not the VAR. He's not the assistant VAR. He's the head of VAR. And Why not, is he even there? They're not the stars. The, the sign of a good referee is someone you don't notice. The trouble with this batch of referee... They all want to be noticed, and VAR is giving them the platform to, to do that. I don't think most the best referees do want to be noticed. I think you know, some of the best referees slip away, but Mike Dean was oh. the VAR in the game at Crystal Palace at the weekend, and he wanted to make a decision. He, he, he that There's no decision to make in that Bamford thing, yeah. but he's trying to find a way to make a decision. There's no need for him to intervene there. Stuart Atwell was the VAR, I think, in um, one of the games at the weekend. I think it's the Leicester... A game, the Wolves game where Max Kilman's handball is a judge yeah. to bin handball and he's the one having the conversation with Neil Swarbrick the pitches of which are doing doing the rounds why is there even a camera in the VAR room I don't understand it you know it, it's, it's become an entertainment in its own right this is not it's the not Kardashians this is the Premier League oh, it's crazy it's absolutely crazy should we just talk about Leicester versus Wolves then I mean because obviously Manchester City and Liverpool ended up sharing the spoils Leicester did win and they are top of the table as a result uh, it is another match where penalties set the agenda though 41 penalties in 78 games over the Ridiculous. course of the season 41 penalties in 78 games Premier League seasons usually average 88 penalties now you don't have to be a genius at math to work out that we're not even a quarter of the way through the season and we're projecting now and we're good at projecting now because we've had a week of doing it um we're going to have 200 penalties well, in a season. Might change the recruitment when it comes to January. Absolutely. Suddenly, if you're a penalty-taking expert, your value is going to rocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julian Dix is going to be called out of retirement Miller all of a sudden. can't get a game at Crystal Palace, but all of a sudden, everyone's thinking, actually, do you know what? We've got a role for you here, son. Way too many penalties. And well, too many. But how many of them do you think should have been given? About 10. Yeah. And I think that, it's that's a small percentage. Yeah, that, and that's the poor part about it. Um, there's obviously a diktat though on high isn't there for uh, the idea of, sort of giving more penalties increases the number of goals it doesn't actually because I think what it does is it, it changes the nature of the game where just a higher proportion of the goals that you were going to get anyway are penalties yeah so it's, not, it's not great I mean you, you, we brought in VAR to kind of as you said there to see more goals 
But I feel like they're, 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 it's been brought in to chalk them off now. Anyway, okay. let's focus on the actual decisions because we'll <laughs> probably keep going on about this for till, I don't know. Hold on, your hands up. Penalty. Yeah, penalty. <laughs> I started gesticulating and someone kicked a mouse at me from, from two yards short of the computer and all of a sudden that was it. It's a goal. Um, Kilman, handball. No, obviously not. No, okay. And uh, the Justin challenge, which uh, the challenge on Justin, which leads to the, the second penalty. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that was more of a penalty than most. Yeah, but I don't, think, but either, again, I don't bar, think either were. The bar has been set very low now. You don't think either were. Okay, all right. But Jamie Vardy did score one and miss another. Leicester, nine wins in 12 matches. Looked more disciplined. Looked more planned to me. Looked hungrier. They chased around quite a lot. They had to dig deep to hold off a wall side that were better after the break. They always are better after the break. Yeah. But um, it's a good result, isn't it, for Brendan Rodgers? Yes, yeah, superb. A good top, return. It's a good return. Top of the table. Again, we saw it last season. They got off this unbelievable start and people started saying, yeah, they were sure on for the top four after lockdown completely fell apart. So if hopefully he's, he's seen that happen before. He can right the wrongs from this se- from last season to this season. And they, they look a lot more solid, I'd say, this season than they did last season. And it looks like, as you said, they're a plan. Like, there's a plan A. If that's not working, there's a plan B. And listen, I've been really impressed with them. I was going to say, you used to get players, didn't you, who were brilliant in August and September when the sun was shining, not yeah. so great after Christmas. Maybe Brendan Rodgers is the managerial equivalent <laughs> of that. And uh, we're going to get the inevitable Leicester City collapse when the pressure cranks up in the second half of the season. But you've got to say, they've started really well. And I think in Fofana... For a 19-year-old to Very come impressive. into the Premier League, he is turning turning out to be one of the signings of the season. And Wolves, in contrast, are, are the the team equivalent to those players, but in a 90-minute game, so they start very very badly, and yeah. and then they they come much better in the second half when everything's rosy or when they're chasing the game. Why is that? Do you think? I don't know, but I need to address it. You, you can't keep coming out flat in all your games because we know second half how strong they are. They scored a lot of goals last season in the second half, didn't they? But if you keep coming out flat, eventually games games will pass them by. And you, you can't keep playing catch-up, catch-up, catch-up. The only time I can remember them coming out the blocks really fast, I think was Sheffield United on the opening day. They yes. came out the blocks really, really fast. But other than that, they're always playing catch-up. Schmeichel made two terrific saves. One absolute peach of a oh. save where the right arm comes over the head. That always looks great. Yeah, it does it it's well. going to the top corner and the right <laughs> arm comes over and it pushes it wide it's a brilliant save wasn't it how important is it to have such a reliable goalkeeper if you are going to challenge at the top end of the table I know where you're going with this because we were having a, a private conversation during match of the day last night on WhatsApp and we, we were saying the standard of goalkeeping and, and maybe as a former striker you can tell us if we're correct or not does seem to have dipped in the Premier League I didn't think the Leeds goalkeeper covered himself in glory at the oh, weekend awful the own goal Aaron Ramsdale was poor for Sheffield United Pickford I think he's just prob- repeating all the texts I probably should <laughs> should have given away a, another penalty you can count the number of good goalkeepers and Kasper Schmeichel is one by the way and Rui Patricio yeah. at the other end is another on one hand and this is the point you and I were having a conversation during match of the day and you did say to me you hate goalkeepers I don't hate goalkeepers I just don't think they're as good as they used to be because what I think is happening tell me if I'm wrong here Darren um, is that there is such a focus on playing out from the back using your feet goalkeepers in training are being asked to join in too early when they should be doing their work and their work which is learning how to make saves reacting to different incidents proper focused goalkeeper training 
is being pushed to one side and time is being limited on that. 100%. The fundamentals of goalkeeping and I'd say defending has gone because with goalkeepers, you're right there, you work on your catching crosses, shot stopping, decision making. Now you're right, goalkeepers are joining in possession and, and things like that where they shouldn't be doing that. If you can't play with your feet, you're not seen as a good goalkeeper. And that's like defenders as well. The art of just defending, getting your head on things, blocks, is gone. It's all about now, can you play out from the back? Uh, can you hit that 60-yard pass? Can you look comfortable on the ball? So I think that's why defending this season has been awful and it has been for the last couple of seasons. Mm. And goalkeepers have been terrible as well. David De Gea, actually, one of the things I like about him is he's rubbish with his feet. So don't bother. Just don't. Yeah. Just make the saves. Just concentrate on making the saves because really and truly, that's where you earn your money, isn't it, as a goalkeeper? Yeah. That's Hugo Lloris as well at Tottenham. When he tries to play with his feet, he's awful with his feet, but he's a very good shot stopper. So I think they've kind of tried to get rid of that. And mm. if they've got to go a bit more direct, they'll do that. But ask it. It's like, it's like we're seeing goalkeepers now that they know they can't play but because it's now this fashionable thing to do they're all trying to do it do you think managers put less value on clean sheets than maybe they did five or six years yeah, ago yeah I do well? absolutely especially at the top end because yeah. if you look at someone like Pep and Jurgen Klopp they don't care about clean sheets they care about winning whereas Jose is a completely different manager he really does clean about, uh, care about a clean sheet because he knows if they keep a clean sheet then they ain't going to lose they might not always win the game and that can be sometimes quite sort of grating I think on their supporters yeah. but ultimately when you've got Harry Kane in the team, you end up nicking a goal right at the very end of, of a match, which is what they did in their match against West Bromwich. I mean, they won it by a goal to nil. It was a poor game, actually. It was hampered by uh, a, 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 probably a number of games in quick succession for Tottenham Hotspur because they've played so much in the Europa League and they had their travelling. And I understand that he, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and we'll get onto that very shortly, was moaning about the scheduling of this match. Um, but... Um, I know you don't rate him, but Harry Kane did uh, turn up and score the, the winning goal. Sorry, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't rate who. <laughs> you didn't say you didn't rate him. Sorry, you said he was in the uh, top. It wasn't in the top five Premier League strikers of all time. I was only joking. He's my number three, by the way, just to bring a bit of balance to the force. Sorry, your 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 number three striker in Premier League history. Yes, English. Oh, English striker. Yeah. Well, all he wasn't right. in his top five. Okay, so who was your top? I, five? I, I never mentioned the top five. But Ambrose did his. I didn't do mine. So, who is the best striker in Premier League history for you? English or in total? Well, we, he said English, so I'm going for English now. English, I'd have to just say Alan Shearer. Shearer, then yeah. Cole. Rooney Cole, for me. Cole would be in there, Rooney would be in there. For Fowler's got to be in there. Yeah, but... If you ask Andy Cole, who, is, who he thinks is the best striker, he'll say Robbie Fowler. Will he? Yeah. I mean, he's listen, the best finisher he's ever seen. I'm a bit biased as well, but probably Ian Wright would be in mine as well. Yeah, Ian Wright would be up there. Yeah. I think Harry Kane could end up being one of the all-time greats in terms of Premier League strikers. Oh, of course. But it's a very long way to go, yeah. He's got 150 goals. He's got half his career still to go. Exactly. And it's, it's, How long does he stick around in this country for and who does he play for? Well, he's only going to ever play for Tottenham. You think so? He's only you don't, you don't think he'll go, move no, on? Never. But then I think, I think then statistically he'll break every record that there is to break. Uh, Tottenham did have a rash of chances that they didn't take prior to Harry Kane's goal. You were commentating on the match for TalkSport International. What did you think of their performance overall? didn't feel like they had a lot of chances, to be honest. I thought West Brom defended pretty well, um, tired a bit in the last 15 minutes and that was where Jose Mourinho was able to use his bench and um, influence proceedings. I think Gareth Bale was flat and off the pace and I think there's a bit of a problem there because I think at the moment, Lucas Moura, when he plays, makes Tottenham a better team. That combination between Bale, Son and Kane didn't really work. There were a couple of opportunities where if Bauer was fully match sharp he may well have been able to unlock the defence but I don't think he's quite there yet Okay, talk to me about uh, West Bromwich Albion they've scored once since the 3-3 draw with Chelsea they'll be relegated said Andy Cole on the Sunday session this week there weren't too many I think who will argue with him after that performance 
on Sunday because if you are going to survive a relegation battle one you've got to pick up points mm. and you've got to pick up points in matches where you're in the game right until the 88th minute yeah you need that that centre forward of that player that can as you said that unlock the doors and, and win games of tight score goals and you look at West Brom squad I don't think there's anyone there that particularly is going to go in there and get 10 to 15 goals which is what they need and I think there's a few teams down there not just West Brom as well that are really lacking that cutting edge so anyone who would have looked at West Brom's game today would, would have said that they're going to be one of the favourites and even if you look at Slavon Bilic's face he looks like someone who just resigned to the fact that we're going to go down and I don't even think he'll last to the end of the season He always looks like that though doesn't he I mean even if you have a coffee with him in the hotel lobby ahead of a game that he's not working on he still always looks like he's, he's about to, to just rip someone's head off. Well, he looks frustrated. I mean, after the El Garza, I can understand it. They sold him when they didn't want him, they didn't want him to sell it. So, for me, I think he just looks like a figure that's just, like, given up. Uh, Bilic said afterwards he didn't feel under pressure, though. Is that because he's in that sort of demeanour and he has given up? Or, or do you think that, that, that actually he's resigned to his fate? I mean, they they failed to win any of their first eight Premier League games. That's a, That's a terrible statistic. Yeah, but I don't think he's on him. So I think the reason he's not showing any pressure is because he yeah. doesn't believe he's done Fair much enough. wrong. The recruitment's not been good enough. If you look at their squad, it's full of championship players. A lot's been made of of Dean Garner, but I don't think he's anywhere near the finished product. I A Frostles fan said to me today that he believed that if that squad was playing in the championship they might not go up they might not get promoted yeah I agree so it's not Bilic's fault I think he, he set the team up quite well today Carl and Grant has missed a couple of decent opportunities they've been beaten 1-0 by a team who will probably finish in the top four no disgrace in that I think the way the board have approached it they expect to go back down and um, I think they will OK, let's turn our attention to Arsenal against Aston Villa. Joe Shannon was there for TalkSport and here's his post-match assessment. Arsenal nil, Aston Villa 3. This was an Arsenal performance as miserable as the North London rain, but Villa were outstanding and thoroughly deserved it in what was one of their most accomplished displays, surely, since returning to the Premier League. It's five wins from seven top-flight games to start the season for the first time since the late 90s for Villa. The tone was set early on when John McGinn's goal was rightly ruled out for offside, albeit after an unnecessarily protracted VAR check, but that didn't remotely affect Villa, who took the midway through the first period thanks to Bakayo Saka's own goal and seal victory with two well-taken Ollie Watkins strikes in the second half both after excellent assists from first Ross Barkley and then Jack Grealish both were imperious once again Arsenal so impressive at Manchester United last week were abject on the day and Alex Lacazette header from six yards over the top the best they could muster while Emiliano Martinez had just one real save to make against his old club Villa go sixth and they have a game in hand. For Arsenal, though, a performance and result that produces far more questions than answers. Back-to-back home defeats in the Premier League for them. Arsenal nil, Aston Villa three. That was Joe Shannon giving his his verdict on the Arsenal-Aston Villa game. I mean, Darren Bent as an Arsenal fan, getting beaten by Aston Villa is no disgrace. Liverpool have done it uh, as well, but some of the defending in that game was appalling. It was appalling. Um, you know, I mean, can't again. We, we've seen Arteta come in and change to a three, and it's, it's worked really well. And we have looked a lot more solid. But Aston Villa, I mean, on the counter attack, they've carved off Arsenal open. It happened to Liverpool. Same thing happened to them. But listen, Arsenal, if they've got any ambition of getting back to where they want to get to. They can't have lapses like this. This against Aston Villa is just not good enough. Clubs are moving in the right direction, though. You told us earlier on, is that? Is I that, think so. Is it? Is yeah, it? I still okay. think so. Okay. Three 0 at home against Aston Villa. Wait, listen, they give, they give Liverpool seven. So what, what, can, what can we say about that? Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to Saturday's bangers. 
Bernard on the edge of the penalty area and it's flicked by Calvert-Lewin against the stanchion at the back of the goal. Rashford tries a volley with the outside of the four and has Pickford scampering back towards his goal. Here's Bernard on the edge of the Manchester United penalty area and he squeezed it in and Everton lead and Bernard has scored. Shaw with the cross, Bruno Fernandes with the header and it's 1-1. Lovely headed goal by Bruno Fernandes. Forward comes Dinia for Everton, good combination on the left hand side and drives it against the frame of the goal. Click back into Rashford and he's oh. got in and Manchester United lead by two goals to one. Bruno Fernandes is the goal scorer I think. Rashford coming forward here for Manchester United, there's no flag and it's saved by the foot. Oh, Pickford up to the right-hand side where Iwobi holds the width. Just outside the penalty area, gets in across, Calvert-Lewin! Just couldn't quite make contact with him. Allen goes forward, Coleman edge of the penalty area. Top back to Corey with a shot! But it's high over the crossbar. Towards Alex Iwobi, across the face of goal to Corey is there and he missed with a great chance. 4-1-2 in United's favour, Bruno Fernandes, Edison Cavani and Manchester United win the game! 3-1 their lead! Edison Cavani's first Manchester United goal. Everton won, Manchester United three. Everything else is detail because that is the final score. Everton could have gone top of the table in the lunchtime kickoff against Manchester United. Manchester United put on a show despite the fact that they had arrived back from Istanbul at 4 a.m. on Thursday morning. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a go about the scheduling. He was absolutely furious about it. In fact, he was so furious about it on match of the day, I thought he was crying. (laughs) (laughs) He was so angry about it. It's hard to take him seriously when he's trying to be angry though, isn't it? I I, I just can't take him seriously in those scenarios. I didn't didn't realise he was angry. I thought he was really emotional and upset. (laughs) It was only when I spoke to you afterwards and you said, I can't take him seriously, he was angry. I thought, oh, that was anger. (laughs) You know know when you're really angry, but then the tears start to come down because you're that fuming. That's how he looked at me. Yeah, I I, I couldn't even see that. I just thought he was really upset that someone had made him work so hard and get back from Istanbul at 4am. Maybe it was the tiredness talking, I don't know. But he was uh, right in the fact that it was ridiculous that they were made to play at lunchtime on a Saturday. Why don't they play it on a Sunday? Quite easily they could have played on a Sunday, right? Yeah, I mean, it's poor. Really poor. Man City and Liverpool did not need to play on a Sunday. That's the, I think that's the point. Yeah, but listen, the Premier League has, has for a long time now been dominated by television schedules. They wanted Liverpool against Manchester City in that prime time Sunday slot. And actually, there's a lot of managers at all levels of the game who won't have too much sympathy uh, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on the squad at his disposal. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit mealy-mouthed, to be honest. He should have been focusing on what was a very good Manchester United performance just when he needed it the most. And not for the first time. His players have earned Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a stay of execution. I, I hope it's a, a long-term turning point. I fear it will be yet another one of those false dawns that we've seen time and again for the past two seasons. More flip-flops than uh, <laughs> that face um, I You could say that they're growing in character, couldn't you? Having won three consecutive away games in the Premier League despite conceding the first goal in the game. Yeah, great character. I mean, they looked solid, I thought, against Everton. Uh, I think Which was I, a stark difference too on Wednesday night. When I was going to say. Looked it, about as leaky as a colander. Exactly. Great, great character in Istanbul, wasn't it, when they conceded <laughs> that goal from their own corner? But I think they might have just stumbled across something with this this four two three one. But I think with Fred and McTominay in front of that back four, they look a little bit more solid. I mean, I, I'm not quite convinced on either Fred or McTominay, although Fred has been better. But I think. But you'd the, rather have Fred and McTominay in your team than Pogba at the moment. Well, do you know what? If you're not going to play Pogba, I'd sell him and get a proper holding midfield player in there. 
I'm convinced that they thought they were going to sell Pogba this summer. So which is it? why they didn't extend his contract. They didn't trigger that extension until after the window. Until after the yeah. window. Well, that's what I would look to do. I think, I think Manchester United, if they can get a, a decent older midfield player, you start looking around who could they sell. They but, sell Pogba. But the problem is no one's got the money. No, Real Madrid and Barcelona are probably the only two places that could buy him. PSG? Have not got the money. Well, PSG, yeah, possibly. And he's damaged goods, isn't he? Because if you, look, who at, wants him? If you look at him at Manchester United, he's caused more problems than he's offered solutions. But that's why I think PSG would be the perfect landing spot for him because they pick up everybody's like leftovers, didn't they? Yeah. It doesn't matter who they are. And he's French. I don't mind driving him to Paris. <laughs> oh, you can't you're not allowed to travel unless it's for business and that would be for pleasure I would call it essential <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, talking of essential though certainly Bruno Fernandes is an essential uh, part of the team he, he didn't have a, the greatest of games in midweek but he's had a hand in 15 Premier League goals in his 10 Premier League away matches 10 goals and 5 assists it's the most goal involvements that uh, a player has had in their first 10 games on the road in any competition while only Kevin Phillips has scored as many. He's now got 18 goals in all competitions for Manchester United while equalising, uh, while his equalising strike in that game was his first headed goal for the club. Yeah, great header as well, isn't it? I mean, great ball into the penalty area, poor defending from Everton, yeah. but he's the talisman. You know, I've, I've said before, he's the, he's the nearest thing that United have had to Eric Cantona since Cantona, and I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is very lucky to have him at his disposal. He's also a leader. The way he spoke after the game, Harry Maguire shouldn't be wearing the captain's armband. Bruno Fernandez well, he's is the, the leader real of captain, that team, isn't he? You know, you know that from the fights they've had in the dressing room. I mean, he's the one who steps up and is quite happy to speak about. It. And he says, you know, everyone was said after they had apparently a row in the dressing room yeah. after the Tottenham game. No, 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 there wasn't a row. There wasn't a row. And then about three days later at a Champions League game, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a row, and I did say my piece. But that's the kind of character I am. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He he's quite happy to speak his mind which is a good thing uh, what about Everton where are, where are they going because without Richarlison in the team they, they lack a little bit of dynamism up top don't they and despite the fact that they took the lead in the game they never really to me look like getting back in it after Manchester United took the lead but we haven't got strength and depth and I think that's the problem I mean Richarlison I think he's a good player but is, is he that that important that the fact that Everton will just fall like a stone like they are I'm not quite sure like he's good but I just think at the minute strength and depth he comes out whoever comes in I thought Bernard was okay but it won't be he hasn't got the same quality in midfield I think they're still missing a couple of pieces Alan's kind of gone off the boil a little bit and defensively against United they were all over the place gaps everywhere allowing crosses to come in they made a few changes to the defence didn't they Yuri Mina didn't play, he didn't play and played Holgate in there he instead. came back in yeah so I think I think strength and depth is what's going to kill Everton this season I think their first 11 I think they'll give anybody a game but Do after that I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Did we get a little bit excited? Yeah, about we did. Everton? I think we overhyped them with the start they made to the season. Listen, they picked up some impressive results, but ultimately they're still flaky Everton. They're probably still going to finish eighth. That's funny. That why? Why was it funny? Just because the, the passion in his voice was enough to finish eighth. Yeah, he's, he's 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 very excited tonight because he's trying to speed us along because he's got a train to catch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm actually enjoying your company oh, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Good because uh, I, I'm going to filibust <laughs> US politics until about half past nine. So you miss your train. The, the the only thing we're missing tonight, and producer Lucy could have brought some nice cold beers. She could have, as done. we can't go to the pub. You could have done that, Lucy. No liquids in the studio. No in the studio. Well, I had liquid in the studio earlier. I spill it all over the desk. Which um, studio? The well, one was you were in. That's why I had to clean it up when you came in. I thought you'd be being nice. <laughs> Bordock down the right side with a reverse ball to Berger. A little touch by the goal trick and a back heel past Mendy. And Chelsea have conceded. 
459 minutes without conceding a goal. The man who scores it is David McGoldrick. It's Chelsea nil, Sheffield United one. Ball sent long into Kovacic, who's inside the area. He tucks it back. Tammy Abraham's got space. Hits it into the ground and over. Ramsdale and into the net. And Tammy Abraham has another goal against them in the blue of Chelsea. An equaliser for Frank Lampard's team. It's Chelsea one, Sheffield United one. Ziyech towards the back post. Chilwell is there and squeezing it in ahead of Aaron Ramsdale. And Ben Chilwell has put Chelsea in front. And after going behind inside the first 10 minutes, Ben Chilwell, with the help of Hakim Ziyech from the deep right-hand side, has exposed a frailty at the back from Sheffield United. Ziyech tries to catch the goalkeeper out, does, and arriving late to score his first Chelsea goal is Thiago Silva. And Chelsea lead by three goals to one. Might be 4-1 now because the ball's deflected to Werner. Doesn't miss this time, into the box and slams it past the goalkeeper and Chelsea lead by four goals to one and Sheffield United, who do not get thrashed, are being battered. Chelsea beat uh, Sheffield United by four goals to one at the weekend. I thought they were brilliant, actually. It's only the third time in 15 Premier League games under Frank Lampard in which they have conceded the first goal and yet come back to win. Um, They are settling into a little bit of a rhythm. Where can it take them? I think they've got to be challenging uh, Liverpool for the title, I think. And I know you're saying it's early, but listen, they finished top four last season with a good squad but it's not the squad you've got now you just got excited about Everton no but Chelsea, Chelsea off. Come now on. you're going to get excited about Chelsea, Chelsea they'll tail off now Chelsea know how to get it done as a football club they know how to get it done and I just think with Thiago Silva that calm and influence I think that's that's been the, ma- the main change which well, is why they're where they are that's interesting Jonathan Pierce commentating for Match of the Day on Saturday night called him an emperor of defending now he is important isn't he they've got to keep him fit because not only is he a brilliant defender and he reads the game, and he's 36, but he still reads the game better than anybody yeah. else in that team, but he's a brilliant communicator and he leads by example, which is key for players like Ben Chilwell, mm. who's just come to a, a big club and, 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 and has done very well, Kurt Zuma, yeah. who is now his partner. Yeah, I think there's still going to come a time when they're going to have to manage his games because at his age, and, and we talked about the, the sheer number of matches in competitions and the muscle injuries, he is going to pick up little tweaks here and there. So I think at the moment it's important that he's there week in, week out because he's almost nursing people like Zuma and almost teaching them how to how to be a top-class defender. But ultimately, when he's not in the team and he's not fit and available, that, that could be a test. But I agree with Darren. I, th- I thought they were superb. Uh, Chelsea, good character to come from behind. Ziyech looks a real steal for the money that they paid for him. We knew they'd be great going forward and, and the fact they have improved as a, a defensive unit, I would say they're probably ahead of schedule right. at this at this Way stage. Ahead. So yeah. is, is Ziyech an upgrade on William, do you think? Um, listen, I love William. He's, he's, been, he's been superb for Chelsea. But I think, yeah, I think now, going forward, I think he's now the, the, the modern-day kind of right winger cutting in with that left foot because the quality that he puts into the box what I like about it is that every time he puts it into the box he doesn't just sling it in there for the sake of it he knows it, where it's going he knows exactly where it's going and it's the right pace on it the quality he caresses I, his pass he does, I, 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 I think it would be really interesting to have seen what would have happened had he not picked up that injury in pre-season because him and Werner 
in the first pre-season game against Brighton had this sort of almost telepathic understanding. Yeah. And actually, you saw it again on Saturday. There was one moment where Werner should have scored when he went through one-on-one with Ramsdale and he lobbed yeah. the goalkeeper and he hit the foot of the post. And it was just a first-time brilliant pass from Hakim Ziyech. And he just knew exactly where Werner was going to make his run. I think it's an interesting combination. I think Chelsea will do very well going forward. I still worry about them a little bit. Even with um, the goalkeeper? At the back. The goalkeeper's done brilliantly, yeah. by the way. He's done absolutely superbly. I mean, they conceded for the first time in 459 minutes um, and Sheffield Roughly. United uh, managed to, <laughs> to, to, to breach it. I actually had it written down and added up so that I knew exactly when the goal went in. I knew how many minutes it was. Yeah, I'm that sad. It's okay. I don't mind admitting it. I, I, you know, can't go out, can't go and meet your mates, can't go out for dinner, can't even go and get a coffee with someone now. So you might as well spend your time adding up how many minutes Chelsea have kept a clean True. sheet for. Why not? Um, Sheffield United did manage to breach that defence, David McGoldrick again, but they don't score too many. And if they start defending like they defended towards the end of that game, they're going to be in massive trouble, aren't they? That game highlighted there's a lot of problems there. You know, that for the first time once things started to go against them, once they fell behind, that they stopped competing. Yeah. And that's a worry because the one thing you know about a Chris Wilder team is that is they're going to make you fight until the end and they didn't really do that at the weekend. Dean Ashton said they checked out towards the end, which is a bit of a worry. The goalkeeper made some saves in that game. It was important saves actually because yeah. the scoreline could have been slightly more than that. But also it could have been worse as well because he made some howlers. I mean, he comes out, gets lobbed by Werner. He's lucky the post saves him. He completely missed the set piece for the Thiago Silva goal. Yeah, Chilwell's goal is... Chilwell's goal is criminal, really, isn't it? It is criminal, because there, as a goalkeeper, you've got to come out authority, punch it or do something. But yeah, for Sheffield United, I do fear for them, but... Why is he struggling in particular? Because it's not the first time we looked at Aaron Ramsdale and thought, oh, you haven't settled in here. Why, why, why do you think that He's is? He's a big personality. He knows his team are struggling. He's trying to be the leader. And I think in that respect, he's trying to do too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, he also, his starting position seems to be too high up the pitch because Trent yeah. Alexander-Arnold tried to lob him the other day and I think a similar sort of, we, we sort of spotted it when we were watching the game high up from the East Stand at Stamford Bridge. He just seems to be too far out of always his goal. The, he's always on a penalty spot. Yeah, he wants to get involved. I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure that's the right tactic. Um, okay, uh, Chris Wilder said to me afterwards that the international break is going to come at the right time. What they do after it is really important. Important. They've got West Ham and West Brom next. Yeah, and I was uh, watching West Ham on Saturday night. It wasn't their best performance of the season, but they found a way um, to win ugly, albeit with a bit of help from our friend Lookman. But I think that was a significant result for West Ham um, because they've played six of the top eight from last season. They've performed better in those games than maybe we expected. They picked up more points than we expected. But this was the acid test against a team that they were expected to beat. They were favourites to win. It was a new scenario. And ultimately... They've delivered. They've kept another clean sheet. I thought Cresswell was excellent. And I think it's um, strange that he's being overlooked by Gareth Southgate. We're not blessed with left-sided players. What impressed me about him was he was playing on the left side of a back three. But it was almost like watching Sheffield United last season. He he became an overlapping central defender. And as a result of that, he he posed a lot of threat going forward as well. I I haven't moved on to the West Ham game yet. Have you got a train to catch? Are you trying to move us on a little bit (laughs) too quickly? I thought that was a seamless transition. No, well, let's get to Saturday and hear your great commentary from the weekend on TalkSport 2. Some of that and some of the other bits and pieces from a Saturday in which VAR lost its bar. Leeds put 
the Palace goal under pressure in the second half through Alioski and Harrison. But Roy Hodgson's side put the game to bed after a brilliant through ball by Zaha was slotted home by Jordan Ayew for his first of the season. In the first Premier League meeting between these two sides in over 20 years, it finished Crystal Palace 4, Leeds 1. Well, Buena, the cross into the area brought down by Ben Rama, teed up for Suchek! And West Ham have won the game in stoppage time! Thomas Suchek gives David Moyes all three points! I just and on bonfire note, finally some sparkle from the home team! Well, we might as well start with West Ham against uh, uh, Fulham. I was going to say, Crookie, take us through that game because you commentated it for TalkSport too, but you've done half of it already. Um, how did Sebastian Allaire get on? Not very well. Um, he put one early header from a corner against the crossbar. That was pretty much his sole contribution. Um, obviously, Ben Rama came in, livened them up a bit, set up the goal, then gave away a penalty again. Maybe a bit over keen, but... I asked David Moyes afterwards, will Mikhail Antonio be fit soon after the international break? He didn't give any promises, but there was a look in his eye that suggests maybe he will. Um, and I think... David Moyes looked in the eyes. They're, they're quite intense, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was in good form after the game. I think he was relieved to get the three points, but they need Antonio fit. They need Antonio as as the focal point. Alaire has had enough opportunities now to prove he can cut it as that lone striker in the Premier League and I just don't think he's good enough. Um, should we talk a little bit about um, Fulham? I mean, I, we might go back to the penalty actually first of all because I don't think it was a penalty to Tom Kearney one personally. We do. You I do, do yeah, do. I think it was, yeah. yeah. I think it was contacting. That's it was quite con- clumsy. So it's contact. So, so yeah. now, if you contact someone in the penalty area, that's a penalty. No, but he, tri- he tripped so him if over. Go- so if I'm falling over and you just happen to touch me as I'm falling over, which is basically what happened because he was already going down before Ben Rama went anywhere near Yeah, he was. I've watched it about four times now and I'm, I can't believe that the VAR looks at it and thinks, yeah, that's a penalty. David Moyes had no complaints. He, he was angry with his uh, defenders. Wasn't for... he just delighted the fact that Lookman managed to miss the penalty and he got away with it? Yes, he was, but he was furious that so many players, in his words, were making rash challenges in the box, dangling out legs and, and giving Fulham the opportunity to win that penalty. So I, I think you're in a minority here of people who didn't see it as a spot kick. Well, to be but... fair, West Ham got away with one of themselves because that shouldn't have been a goal either, West Ham's. Because Haller jumped was offside. over the ball, yeah. Oh yeah, so I say that was his sole contribution. He, he did actually inadvertently uh, help them yeah. get the winning goal <laughs> exactly. by, by, by going up for a header and missing the ball. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 
The other game on Saturday was Crystal Palace 4, Leeds United Oof. 1. Um, and the Bamford offside that is never offside has been debated. It's a ludicrous decision made by someone who wants to make a decision. I've already mentioned it. Uh, but let's focus on the performance. Leeds have been in the game with Leicester. They've been in the game with Liverpool. They've been in the game with Crystal Palace. But they've conceded four goals in all of those matches. Bielsa says that can't continue. Well, it can't because they've conceded 17 goals in their first eight Premier League games. Um, the last time they conceded this many at the stage of a top flight season, it was 1947 and we were rationing bread. So it, it can't go on, can it? No, it can't. No, we, we know about the Leeds, the way they play. Um, high energy, high press. But you're right, going forward, they look superb. I mean, Bamford's in the form of his life. I like Jack Harrison. I thought he's played really well. I like Click. Mm. But defensively, there's too many gaps. I mean, but defensively, they don't click. They? They don't, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> They're all over the place. There's too many gaps. Uh, the the centre halves get left exposed. I think Calvin Phillips is a big miss because he sits in front of that back four. But at the minute, they need to find a way of trying to win ugly. And at the minute, I don't think they can do that. Like a little one nil and they keep a clean sheet. I mean, and also as well, they're missing big chances at key points of games. They did that last season. They missed a lot of big chances. And this season as well, you look at you go the last game against Leicester. Bamford misses the header. Yeah. They go up the other end and score. So. I think although he's in the form of his life... have a go at him, though, because he has scored a lot no, he's of been, I'm not having, I'd never have a go at him. He's playing really really well. But defensively, they need to find a way of being more solid and defending well as a team because there's gaps all over the place. The way Crystal Palace just cut through them, was it was too, it was too open. It was too exposed. On Crystal Palace, the free kick from Eze was, was, was brilliant. They only had 35% <laughs> possession in the game. But they moved up to six in the table with a victory at, the, at one point. They were three points at, uh, behind leaders Southampton by the time we got to the end of Saturday night. I mean, are we maybe over-obsessing? We do talk about it a lot on this podcast, the fact that they don't have any of the ball, but yet they still put points on the board. Well, Leicester won the league title with uh, not much possession, didn't they? they not had 35%. Li- not, not, <laughs> not, not quite as as little as, as Palace, but they're ruthlessly efficient, aren't they? They, they, they? The chances that come their way, they're very good at putting them away. And actually, they're getting goals from all over the pitch as well. It's, they're not reliant solely on Zaha to score the goals. So I, th- I think we have to start giving Roy Hodgson credit. They're not going to finish sixth. But I think what we can say already, and again, maybe this is a bold statement, they're not going to go down Crystal Palace. And that was the... We did that last year, and then they dropped like a stone after they, yeah. got, they got to the point they were safe. I think they went 10 games towards the end of the season without picking up any that points. Might, that might well happen again, but I still don't think they're going to go down. And um, it, it will be interesting to see how long... The owners persist with Roy Hodgson and, and whether they decide to, to go in a new direction. But all the time that he's delivering positive results, you have to say that their faith in him is justified, even if the football isn't great to watch. Although I thought they were good to watch at the weekend. He's older than Joe Biden, isn't he? <laughs> Listen, defensively, he, he, he always gets it right. He gets, makes him really well hard to beat. But as you said about Zahar, it's not just about him now. At least Eze stepped up. Great free kick he scored. Ayu got a goal. Van Arnholt's a threat, isn't he? Another one as well. So at least now it's not... Well, he shouldn't have been a threat, but he somehow was a threat from a, almost by the corner flag. Oh, awful, awful, awful goalkeeping. The but worst he, he, is, he is a threat anyway, though, isn't he? I mean, his record of Crikey. goals and assists he's over the, mo- the past the most, few years is good. I mean, yeah. that, talking about goalkeeping, I mean, that guy went down to try and save it over the course of an hour. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what on earth was that all about? I don't know. Anyway, right, let's move on to Friday Night Fun. Southampton 2, Newcastle nil. Victory for the Saints. Took them on top on Friday night. Um, I didn't stay there for the weekend, but that's still impressive, isn't it? Especially since they did it without Danny Ings. Yeah, that was the most pleasing aspect of the performance, I think, from a Southampton point of view. Um, I mentioned before the game that this was now the time for Shea Adams to deliver because Ralph Hasenhutl kept a lot of faith in him. Yeah. He went 29 games without a goal, but he could have sold him to Leeds. He didn't He didn't drop him. He, he, he was 
appreciative of his endeavour and work rate and now he's started to add goals to that as well and Theo Walcott um, who I went to see last week is, is loving the fact he's back at Southampton he said to me I feel like I'm 16 again and you can see that in his performance and I thought the partnership between him and Adams uh, was really good and they're going to need to to replicate that over the next few yeah. weeks while Danny Ings nurses his way back to fitness another clean sheet and have a great performance in midfield from Oriol Romeu everything is going swimmingly down the south coast I like Shay Adams always have done I think I like his attributes he's strong he's powerful it was just about him getting that first goal but some of the goals he scored I think his first one was against was it City that unbelievable yeah, finish the lob. but now he looks more accomplished now it looks like he deserves to be at that level Premier League level so uh, as though Adanings is superb and they will miss him I do think Shay Adams can step up and, and score quite a fair few goals uh, Newcastle tried something new playing out from the back but <coughs> they couldn't do it um, and, and they sort of failed to play sort of percentage football, didn't they? Lost possession on the cheap. They were overplaying. Greg, uh, my new Newcastle fan friend, uh, sent me a text message saying straight afterwards, if this is us trying to play out from the back, I'd rather we lumped it. Um, our final game was Brighton nil, Burnley nil. That's it. We'll see you next week. <laughs> no, joking, I wouldn't do that. That would be wrong. Uh, but uh, since they were promoted to the Premier League in 2017, Brighton have played more, out more goalless draws in the competition than any other side. And the second most top flight goalless draws are Burnley. So we shouldn't be too surprised that it was uh, nil-nil. But Brighton had a lot of attempts on goal again. I did quite like the look of Danny Welbeck, if I'm honest. Yeah, I like Welbs. Um, he's never been prolific. That's the only thing. Welbs? Welbs, yes. Yeah, Are we text mates? Yeah. <laughs> so, can we get him on the boot room if I you make? I was going to say that. Can we expect to see him pop yeah, up listen, on the boot room? I'll, I'll give him a shout. But yeah, I've always liked Danny. And um, But it's just he's never really been prolific. And you're right, with some of the opportunities that he had, you would have expected him to take one. But I guess when you've been out for Rim so long. Rusty, yeah. yeah. You can understand that he's been out for such a long time. I of think it's course. a good acquisition for them, isn't it? If he stays fit, and that's a big if, if, if you look at his yeah. injury record. But uh, Graham Potter spoke very positively about the performance afterwards, and I can understand that. But it's the same story again. They dominate a game, they create all the chances, they haven't won. 19 shots is the, is the most that a team have had without scoring a goal. And how many games have they won under Graham Potter's tenure? That's the problem. They're a team who've forgotten how to win, and unless they remember pretty quickly, yeah. they could be in trouble. Um, Burnley don't win many games either their tally of two points is the joint lowest after their first seven games of a, a season in their history and that's quite amazing really isn't it they don't score any goals simple as that I mean defensively yeah they're quite strong Tarkovsky me they have one Pong. shot on target but it's, yeah, going forward they don't create enough opportunities no. and they just don't take their chances I mean I think they've only scored two or three goals this season anyway Damn, so we've got to change our poll haven't we because we can't put Crystal Palace in it now to, <laughs> to, to, to into the top. Who do you who'd you rather watch, Newcastle or Burnley? Oh, Newcastle all day long. Well, at least Newcastle are getting points now. Yeah, and they've got Sam Maximan. But already, if you look at the bottom of the table, it looks like three from five, doesn't it, at this early stage? Yeah, I texted you last night, didn't I? I got a screenshot of, of what I thought the bottom five would be, and it is the current bottom five, but I think Sheffield United probably will have enough to get out of it, just because I think they've just got... They've I'm got not convinced a, by that. They've got spirit, they've got a little bit more about So you think them. Burnley could go? I think Burnley could go, I think West Brom will go, I think Fulham will go. I'd possibly swap Burnley with Sheffield United, but I agree with you on the other two. It's a bit early, isn't it? To get I think Fulham. I, I think Fulham potentially could and do what get out. And Sheffield United could go. You know? Do you think? Yeah, so? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I hope not, because I think they've done, they've been a real addition to the Premier League. They're giving us something different, and I do like it when a team comes up and does something different. Because most teams don't, do they? Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I also saw our Talksport colleague Alan Biggs. 
um, saying it would be ridiculous on Twitter to, to sack Chris Wilder, as some people are talking about. Even if they go down, he's earned the right to try and bring them back up. I, I, I haven't heard anything about that, and I think that would be absolutely ludicrous. That's it from us. Um, we're away for the international break. Uh, so Crook's going off to uh, uh, Portugal, as he always does in the international break. <laughs> I wish. Oh, you Enough. can't? Not, not enough Can't jump- even play golf. Not enough I? jumpers. Can't even play golf. <laughs> You're going to go online shopping instead <laughs> for more jumpers. Uh, and but what are you doing? International break? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much working. Oh, yeah. The whole time, You're yeah. such a workaholic. Don't mind, now, I love you? it. You love it. Of course yeah. you do. Why not? You're doing a great job. It's and, unusual uh, for him, isn't it? Because he never used to work international weekends when he was a player. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Uh, on that note, I'm going yeah. to leave it. Uh, please rate and review the podcast on your podcast provider. Uh, we're uh, off to go and get a train. Have we got another five minutes in us, no? Oh, five, ten minutes. <laughs> what, what would you like to talk about next? Uh, I'll let him go. Let him go. Can you moan about it for the week that we're off? Crook's rushing off to get a train, so we'll let him go uh, whilst we continue to laugh about Arsenal. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.